Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and you're listening to Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness. I say this every single time. If you're not getting sex, you're unhappier as a result of listening to the show. Like, fire me. I don't know what to say, but the, this, the show is meant to get you sexier and you happier. And today is absolutely no exception. My guest today is Janae Johnson. Janae is a public health and mindfulness coach, teacher, um, she, she is really into racial healing. She's, and as an innovator, she encourages us to have meaningful conversations about race and trauma. Very needed and very necessary right now. And you all know why. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed that it's taking uh, George Floyd to make us all this mm. aware. Because I've been aware forever. But where are you? Wake up. You know, don't take another statistic to wake yourself up. She's also the leader in rewriting the narrative around women's health as she has directed a black uh, maternal health program for 15 years in San Francisco. And we met at a retreat that was taking place here in Arizona. A dear friend of mine and hers, Perry Chase, put together a workshop. She hired me for a few hours and I went to that workshop and Janae and I met and that was it. I mean, that was it. So welcome to my show, Janae Johnson. It is my pleasure to have you on Sex and Happiness. Thank you so much. Such a delicious title. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they told me after I made it up, they told me that, well, my book is named Sex and Happiness, so I named the show that. They told me those are the two most Googled words uh, in the world. So I thought... I guess I was brilliant without knowing. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about pleasure, health connection, and why it's important in racial healing. Before we do that, I want to just, I I love to ask people like how they got to be who they are. So, you know, did you grow up thinking this is going to be who who you were going to be? Like, how'd you get to be this in the world? You know, I've had a very eclectic career path. Um, I started out early in the arts. I grew up in New York. I had a cousin who started a small theater company, the Brothers and Sisters United Black Repertory Theater. Another cousin who's one of the founding members of the Dance Theater of Harlem. So the arts were all around me. I grew up during a time of the neighborhood arts movement when the city government was pouring money into neighborhoods for kids to explore and experience the arts. So um, I think that level of creativity and openness um, was sewn into me at a young age. And I've just tried a lot of things, theater, dance, writing, and I have a passion for health. And when I moved to, to the Bay Area in California, um, I worked in education and then my next gig was the health department and so here i am generating around uh, black women's health a maternal health program that looked at the disparities in birth outcomes how black babies have higher infant mortality rates 
and Black women higher infant mortality rates and really getting underneath what is that? And the research is not definitive, but what it pointed to was what's called social determinants of health, things in the environment and the social construct that influence how well we are. And these are the things that will be influencing maternal outcomes and the outcomes for babies. And deeply under that was stress and the stress of racism. So fast forward, I'm doing trauma work and now mindfulness. And it's all of a piece. I feel like it's just this lotus flower that just keeps opening and opening and opening. So a couple things I want to say about that. Um, One is, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm an immortalist. I'm into radical life extension and mm. the possibility of physical immortality. And no surprise that you talk about uh, Black women's birthing. And uh, I know there's also a lot of preemie babies. There's infant mortality and preemie babies mm-hmm. stress. And um, there's something called the telomeres. Yes. At the end of the, of the DNA strands in all of us. And the biggest factor that causes telomeres to shorten is stress. Stress. Yes. So if you're if you're living a life in the United States as a black woman and you're stressed and you're hypervigilant and all these things because you never know when a threat is gonna come, you never know you don't even know if the person that you that fathered the baby with you is gonna be there because of that, because because of black men's statistics as well you know, them being like racially profiled, taken off the streets, whatever. Stress is constantly a fabric mm-hmm. woven in. And so, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I, I also want to say one other thing that it just says, I directed one of those programs in New York. I just had to go back to your theater and <laughs> dance back then. I directed um, Astoria Youth in Action when I was in college. <sighs> Under John Lindsay, Mayor John Lindsay. Yes, John Lindsay was mayor then. Yes, that's that's who poured the money in to the arts movement. (laughs) I was the director of Astoria Youth in Action, and I had all this money. It was my college, my first professional college job, and I uh, and I had I had kids doing amazing art projects and doing like all kinds of dance and uh, all kinds of things. And I, and I had a very mixed group of kids. I had Puerto Rican kids, I had black kids, I had Greek kids, I had, and they all mixed together and um, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, New York is famous for, it's, 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 um, it's the, the pioneering city of, the, of what we call, has been called the melting pot and, um, and of course the arts. And that model, I think, is a model that really should be returned to and revived in cities across the country because yeah. it, 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 it develops youth, it gives youth something to do. And that whole notion of being creative is something that you can take into any arena. And I feel that I, that, that I have definitely taken that with me. So good. Mm-hmm. Really. So now we'll get really into the meat of the thing. But I wanted to say to you two things you mentioned. I just went, give a damn. John Lindsay, the programs that were give a damn programs, I was part of that. Wow. And um, and then this thing about uh, what I am now, this immortalist and the stress. So, okay, so when we say mindful, we talk about your program. 
you know, that you've been doing. You have a new program also, we'll get to that too, but pleasure, health, and mindfulness, and the connection that it has to do with uh, racial healing. So what can people do? What are, what are you doing and what can people do about this? And what are the women doing that you've been working with for, for this? So that's well, well, yeah, well, well, I don't work with the, with the, with the, with women anymore. I, okay. I used to for 15 years, but where the, the lane that I've landed is in actually it's in trauma. It's in how this cascade of stress hormones shakes up the body. It's the stress and the trauma. And what I noticed as I was training in trauma in the Department of Public Health, people were very open to trauma principles and, and safety and stability and cultural humility and, and, and equity. But I noticed that people really didn't have the bandwidth to really do anything with it. They were just good ideas. And so I thought, you know, what's missing for us is this ability to develop inner calm, resilience, the bandwidth to sustain attention and to stick with something and to return to a state of equanimity, balance. And you gain that through mindfulness. Mindfulness simply means aware. Moving from being on autopilot to aware. Aware and being present in mind, body, and surroundings and being able to hold that with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. Being able to hold what you sense and feel with non-judgment, non-reactivity, so that you can gather up enough of your strength in the prefrontal cortex and decide how to respond. And so much of why we keep failing at racial healing is that there's so much reactivity on all sides. The reactivity of feeling like a victim, the, rea- the reactivity of an, of an inherited programming of white supremacy, which basically says that whiteness is the standard for humanity and everybody else is not. And then on the other side, this generating of, but we are, but we are, but we are. So, so, so racism really is a distraction and it's a terrible waste of human capital on both sides. So there's- oh, I have to ring my bell for that. That is so true. We can't eat. I mean, people can't come to the table and get their gifts. They they're, can. And they're, and they're frozen. They're frozen in place. And what mindfulness does is it helps to thaw. It helps you to calm yourself down so that you can really see what is before you. When I talk to my white brothers and sisters, it's simply about you have inherited a legacy of harm unfairly advantaging you because of your skin color. Yes, you may have worked hard for whatever you have, but your race was never an issue for what you have. On the other side, an unfair disadvantaging because of your race. And what is absurd about the whole thing is that there is no biological construct for race. It's made up. It's, 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 it's social. It's, it's made up. And it was made up to promote and to move forward a capitalist agenda. Because if you're not human, and if you don't feel the way I feel, then I can enslave you and make you do all kinds of things 
and build the nation. Basically, that's what happened. That's exactly. <laughs> and, right. and and there is and there is a rationale for that, and then that rationale permeates, whether it's uh, overtly or covertly, permeates all of our mm -hmm. structures. How we do housing, how we do education, how we do healthcare, how we treat people. It is still in my lifetime that we just achieve civil rights. In other words, that you and I could go and eat at the same place and hang out together. Right. That we could go to the same place and try on clothes. That we could swim in the same pool. That we could drink at the same water fountain. It was just in my lifetime that that was achieved. So that, that, that deep-seated programming, it's sometimes we call it... Um, implicit bias because it's unchecked and it's unseen. It, it has to be brought to light. And what we see happening now in the light of George Floyd is many of my white brothers and sisters are like, what, what, you're kidding me, this has been going on? I didn't know, what, I've been, because walking through the world with white skin gave you the power and the privilege to not notice and not experience that. And to take everything. Yes. Everything, everything, everything. Yes. So there's a great awakening happening. And on the side of melanated people, what I believe is the call is that we get to unhook, we get to emancipate ourselves from the lie of white supremacy, the deep, dark inferiority um, harm that it has done. And really move into the full human right of flourishing. And so we both have work to do and, and then to bring that work into policies, practices, procedures, how we structure systems and to, to make some corrections. We're not going to fix it all. We have a baton to pass to our young people who, as you could see, if you watch any of the protests, all of them, black, white, and everybody in the middle are very, there's a heightened awareness among them. But the question for us in our age category is, will we decide to take on pushing forward the change or will we just continue to collude with the concept of white supremacy? It is not about individuals, it is a system. Individuals yeah, yeah. can move through the world, or maybe not. I'm in a very nice high-end store with two bags, walking through, talking with a friend, and the security guard is following me. Why? Because my black skin. I'm not stupid. <laughs> exactly. You know? So, so, so we get. So there are things that we experience personally, and then there there are things that are in the way the system is structured. And then there are things that um, we internalize. And it's that internalization of that pain or hypervigilance. Okay, I'm going in the store. I just better be careful. I gotta watch. Those little things, every, it may seem like, oh, that's benign, but it's every little thing. It just, it begins to add up. They're called microaggressions. They're little things that just keep, and that's the, the and, and when that accumulates, it's compounded stress. Yes. You know, yes. as I was raising my son, who's now 24, 
when he was in high school, I was a hot mess. Where are you? Mom, I'm on the bus. Well, where's the bus? How many stops? You know, come, you know, just, I was like, you know, this cannot be my legacy that I give him. This level of worry and upset. And that's one of the one of the reasons why my mindfulness practice was elevated to help bring me to a state of calm, to help me put on a different lens, look out at the world and decide that I am safe, we are safe. And to have a way to process and compost that anxiety and those emotions so that I can live with more freedom and with more joy. Very, very great words that you picked there, compost. But I want to go back for a second. Tell us what mindfulness is, because not everybody even knows what mindfulness is. But it's so powerful what you're saying. You can have a choice to respond. You can relax. You can calm down. So what is mindfulness? I've done a show about it before, but just in case they didn't hear Yes. So there's two paths. There's mindfulness, which is the ability to be present, to just be present fully present in what you're doing, aware in mind, body, and your surroundings. And holding that with an attitude, carrying an attitude of kindness and curiosity. Oh, this just happened. Hmm. Let me stop, pause, take a look. We, we, you know, we, we have this yeah, thing yeah. called stop, notice, reflect, and then you respond. So that is mindfulness, is awareness. Then there is mindfulness meditation the meditation is simply the ability to sit still and quiet following the breath noticing how the mind keeps you want to think about your shopping list you want to think about what are we eating for dinner tonight and you go oh and you notice meta attention you're paying attention to how i'm paying attention and then you gently bring your mind back we're breathing now this practice is like building a muscle and this is called attention training. And as you practice this quiet sitting, you get up in the morning, you meditate for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you bring that sense then into your life as you're going around every day doing whatever you do. So the meditation is what feeds your ability to be mindful, to stay present. And, you know, in Tantra, we call that the witness consciousness, like being able to witness everything. Like I can witness that I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you and we're doing a show and I can say, I can witness myself saying these words and I can, and I can witness that it, it actually, my witness doesn't have my name on it. It's like a different part of my brain that isn't my personality, but it's just able to watch. So I actually get that. I get mindfulness from that. Yes, it's 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 an, it's 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 being present and aware. Mindfulness um, translated from um, the Sanskrit and Hindi practices is it's awareness. It's awareness. Yeah, awareness. Yes. Really good. Really, really good. All right. So good. And so what you're saying is, oh, I love so much. I mean, when you were talking about that hyper, like you with your son on the bus. What I thought of in the, it's crazy, in the 70s, I, there were a bunch of men who wanted me, I used to teach assertiveness for women and assertiveness for men. And um, the women's group, I always put six to eight because the women's group, the women's stuff was so heavy. So eight to 10, I had the men, it was a little lighter. They, I did, the men didn't seem to have like that, the gravity of 
stuff that the women had. And then the, this group of men wanted me to do a, lead a men's group. And um, I said, I'm a woman. And they said, I know, we, we trust you and we want you to lead our group. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I had three men in that group who were adult survivor, adult children of concentration camp survivors. Yes. And they told me things about their growing up. Like if their mother was sleeping and she would hear a noise, she would think that it was a siren in Germany or in Austria or wherever they grew up in. They would rush and grab the, they were in the United States. They were like in Boston or in New York and they would grab the children and scream and go, we have to be ready to run. Yes, it's the trama. It's, it's a it's, trauma it's, it's the ling lingering trauma response. The fight, flight, freeze, appease, or dissociate. It's the lingering trauma. The body keeps the score in the body that has not been processed through so that you can reach a state of calmness so that, that those triggers that then, oh, begin to remind you of something. It's called leaving, um, bringing the then and there to the here and now, you know? So it's what happened then and there, and, and then it gets imported to here and now. And that's, um, there's, there's something that's called trauma-sensitive mindfulness. Mm. And there's a way to uh, work when people have this history of heightened um, trauma and triggers it's it's probably a, a part of a um, of a constellation of things to help to help you come back to a place of flourishing and thriving because we were not designed to live like that. We we're not designed to live like that, and that's where I knew I had to make a change in my in myself because I did not want to impart this emotional history and legacy to my son of worry. I want him to move through the world, um, paying attention, of course, but having the belief, because it's our believing, that speaks so much to what our, our health, that I am safe and I can be well. So and so, that's so important. It's so important. And I feel like now I have this gravelly, I'm not sure what's happening to my voice, but whatever. Um, this is this what we're speaking about is so important. Um, it's important to the to the women that you worked with. Uh, this is the, what you're learning and you're you're extending into the whole rest of the world. It's so important for black women. It's so important for black men to feel like they live here, like they're they're important, like they can move through the world and it's so important for white people to like absolutely pay attention and get like to get lost in like oh i shouldn't be guilty i i wasn't a slave owner that's look if you don't speak and you don't uh address this if your silence is how you choose to operate in this if you don't like show some solidarity and show that you have interest and concern about this then you are part of the problem then you're just letting the systems that are in place continue and we need to not do that because exactly uh, because it's not benefiting anyone it isn't benefiting anyone capitalism yeah. is built on that but the system of capitalism is not flourishing right now the system is falling apart because it needs to fall apart I well mean, I, I think that white people have to come have an opportunity yeah that the guilt the shame the um the lack of responsibility 
it's not that you did it personally. It's that you inherited something that is harmful and that was built on something that was wrong and you benefit from that. So what the invitation is now is to repair the harm so the harm does not keep going. So that involves two things. It involves building confidence. You build confidence by building an, an understanding, knowledge and information. I always turn people, watch public television. It's a beautiful opportunity. There's always something on to help you uplift and, uh, and your understanding and, and, and have grow your knowledge base. And the next thing is courage. And that resides in the heart where you say, I have shown up on the planet in this day and time. What is going to be my contribution? I don't have to solve everything, but there must be something that I can do. And the first place that that starts is changing myself, examining my own biases and ways of thinking that are in the way. So that's where it starts for each of us, actually, individually. And then we begin to grow the collective. Uh, there's wonderful books, um, Dr. Robin DiAngelo, White Fragility, Rasma Menekin, My Grandmother's Hands. He talks about racial healing, um, what is happening in the body. And for, for all of us, Black and white, and to understand that the trauma that white people have visited on others, see, this is the thing, came from their own trauma that they imported with them to the new world from back in the Middle Ages. When you look at the things that were happening in the time of Henry VIII, et cetera, the meanness, the all manner of meanness and cutting heads off, people were, people were running to escape from that. But part of what they did not escape from was the thing that got changed in themselves and they brought that here. Yes. It's a very deep conversation. This was supposed to be the new world and it, and it turned out to be a, a terrible replica, replication of, yes. new, of new atrocities. Yes. New exactly. horrible things to people. Exactly. Because trauma that is not transformed is transmitted. If you never work on it, if you don't know, if it, then that is transmitted. When you can look a person in the face and decide that they are not really human, that they are subhuman, that they are as much as your animals, your cattle, your horse, your pigs, your chickens, and you treat them as such. And there's documentation and plenty of documentation and so that and that you do so with force and domination and that you take that energy and move it worldwide. So there's 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 a strength that our white brothers and sisters have, but they have not used it always for the good of humanity, a humanity that they are a part of. So the whole notion that that the separation is a fallacy. There's nothing even in science that colludes with that, that supports that thinking. So this is what's being elevated now. What is truth? And people, some people are fighting it and resisting it and coming, but ultimately it must 
end because it is harmful. It serves, it serves everyone to end it. It doesn't just serve one or the other as if there was one or the other. It exactly. serves us all to end it, all of us to live in harmony. It really does. And it ends the conversation around scarcity because one of the reasons why I've heard, I'm, and my white friends have told me, one of the reasons why there's resistance to change is this whole notion that there's only so much of the pie and we don't want to give up anything we have. This whole scarcity notion that I'm, that I'm going to have to let go of something as opposed to that we get to create more and that the earth actually replenishes this, this it's tied to a scarcity mindset. So there's a lot of dark shadows, fears, um, sensitivities, untruths, lies to undo in order yeah. for us to all move forward and to flourish together as one human race because we are one inside of the cosmos. We are a part of the, we are all a part of the universe under the infinite, the all-knowing, the almighty God. <laughs> Yeah. It's on our dollar bills in God we trust. <laughs> so um, we're all a part of a system. It's an eco it's an ecosystem, and for one to dominate over and to diminish and to smother another, ultimately is it's not good for the one who's doing it. It's 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 toxic to that system actually, as much as it is toxic to the system of the one who is receiving that treatment. Totally. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, my father told me, it's so funny, it's on my website. I have this little video where I say, my father told me that by the time I grew up, everybody would be beige. <laughs> and I believed him. And now I, you know, when I, this, the newest episode of uh, the George Floyd incident and the racial uh, disharmony. And I, I literally, I couldn't get out of bed for a few days. Mm -hmm. I was just like, mm -hmm. Pop, you lied to me. I know you, you meant well, but why, why, you know, I worked so hard, you know, with voter registration and all kinds of things in my life. And uh, I said, why is this still happening? Why, 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 why? And I, it really is, it's because individuals have to work together to take down the systems. We cannot work, no one person can choose to do it. And, and we have to, and the trauma is so, um, uh, it's so universal and it's so in, ingrained and embedded in our systems. And, and it came, a lot of it came in right in the deep, right through the umbilical cords. You well, know, you know, it's interesting because the healing balm for trauma is connection. The ultimate healing balm for trauma is connection. Mm. The little kid falls and they start crying and they run to their mom and she just, you're okay, you're okay. And they go, okay. And then they go, okay, I'm fine. And then they run back out to play. The, the healing balm for trauma is connection. It's human co-regulation. Our brains, our systems are wired to help each other co-regulate. We, we do that with our babies and children and adults need that too. And in order to have that connection, you have to come face to face with the things that the stories 
the narrative that has that has us be disconnected and be willing to um, embrace and and accept people for who they are and what they bring and so it's a it's a um it's an, i consider it an opportunity healing is an opportunity and it and this is where the pleasure and health come because those our health is connected to the levels of mm, pleasure <laughs> well it's chemical it's, it's that what you bring well, well, it's chemical. When we're under stress, we have uh, adrenaline running and fight or flight, and we have cortisol. Cortisol, yes. Cortisol is flooding through the system, and cortisol is a killer. Cortisol. Absolutely. In, in no time, if you have too much cortisol, it will kill you. And if you, and oxytocin is the antidote to cortisol. You have to have, you have to have the hugs, and you have to have the the breathing and the sink up and you know all yes. of that you have to have exactly what you're saying and and yes. and the bridge is connection yes so what i have been looking at is continuing to teach the trauma work and this message of racial healing that is that the the um what's underneath my message of healing is love because it has to be and looking at what can i bring to the black community to strengthen us. And that is a program that I've started called The Right Within Experience. It's a line in a song that the hip hop artist Lauren Hill wrote. She said, how are you going to win when you ain't right within? So, <laughs> Great. so it's like gives us a chance to pull away from the mainstream and the grind culture and spend time in emotionally emancipating from the lie of white supremacy and using mindful practices to rewire the brain, to take on, um, you know, it's what we think, do, and pay attention to changes the function and structure of our brain and nervous system. Mm -hmm. So the Right Within experience is for organizations on the front lines of community service or social justice missions, and to help those um, those cohorts of people regroup, center, bring calm and uh, a, and an inner core of strength and calm to their mission, such that they're able to bring that to the communities that they are in service to and the mission that they're in service to. The the hyper anxiety, the hyper vigilance, all of that. Um, the 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 um, rush of cortisol and the chronic chronic hits of cortisol. We're not meant to live that way. No. So I am hoping that through the, the the right within experience, it has been funded for three years. We're in the curation stage, writing the curriculum, and we'll pilot the program with three organizations at the end of the year, and then see where we are and what tweaks we need to make. But um, it's designed to help us rewrite the narrative to reclaim humanity, joy, and well-being. The things that get eroded from the constant exposure and the psychological battle that we wage when we're facing racism. So just taking a turn. Mm -hmm.
taking a turn, take a turn. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. I'm so excited for you. Um, and I, I, there's a few people I'd like to network you to just. Uh, Excellent. I'm very, very excited about this. I'm glad to know that you're funded. And, um, and I just, I'm, ex I'm ecstatic about it. I want to know, because we're kind of winding down, we're kind of at the end of our time together, how people could get in touch with you if they want to hear more about it. Maybe they have an organization yes. that they want to have you train them at or uh, give them the experience or offer your team. And um, yeah, like how, how can they, because I hear that that's the what's next. It's coming around yes. the end of the year. Yeah. Happy to hear it. I uh, couldn't, couldn't come at a better time. Um, so how do they, how, Janae, how do they get in touch with you? Yes, they should go to my website, JanaeJohnson.com, J-E-N-E-E, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N.com, you know, www. Yeah. And they, I have a, a, a contact and they should just give me their name, et cetera, and if they have a comment or, some, or, 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 or something they'd like to, to uh, say, and then uh, I will follow up with them, or then they will get regular um, um, communications when I, if I have something coming up. I have something coming up that is going to be my gift to the community, actually. It's going to be at the end of August, and it's called the, <laughs> the Joy Collective. And I'll be just teaching about joy because yes. part of the right within experience is humanity, joy, and well-being. And we all could use a better understanding of this because joy is actually a spiritual principle and it's designed, we're all designed to have that effervescence. And how do you have joy help you navigate the chaos that we're in? So people should just go and uh, sign on my contacts list and then I'll... I'll let them know when it's coming up. Beautiful. I feel joy is an inside job and I don't let anything rob my joy. I mean, literally yeah. since the COVID started, that's like the first thing. And then when the George Floyd yeah. uh, murder happened, I, ha I practice, which you know, I practice emotional release almost every single day in order yes. to just get out of bed in the morning and like be able to do my work. Yes. Uh, yes, because yes. I don't want anything to rob my joy because I'm needed on this planet. Yes, you are. <laughs> and that emotional release work is so important. Yeah. Is, um, there's, you know, because I know that you also have a physical piece that goes with that. And that's yeah. why I also encourage people to move because movement is medicine and, and have music. The Rwandan prescription for depression is sun, drum, dance, community you know so that's kind of what i'm bringing with the our, our joy piece beautiful well janae thank you so much for being my guest today it's this is you know we put it off a little bit we had like a few weeks we had to wait and i'm glad we did because i feel like uh, at least my listeners are open to hearing everything you said today i'm t you know i don't know them all but I'm assuming they've been with me for such a long time that they are ready to hear this yes. and that they can take action. And I want them to. And um, yeah, before we got on the recording, we, we said we're supposed to do something together. And like, I 
feel that in my whole body. So we are, I don't know what it's going to be, but I can't wait to explore with you. Thank you so much. You're a treasure. (laughs) Thank you. You're who I'm trying to be. (laughs) Well, I feel the same way about you. I just really, really do. I'm thrilled to know what you've been doing and I'm thrilled to know what you will do. And that's, uh, that's also needed and necessary on this planet. Yes. So, uh, so everybody who has been listening uh, on Sex and Happiness today, we, we gave it to you. You need sex and happiness. You need joy. You need pleasure. You need to let go of those stress reactions and the systematized. However racism has affected you, it is your responsibility to find a way to let go of that and find new, like new neural patterns and new ways of being and connection. Mm-hmm. It was said to you simply, it was said in plain English that you could understand you can do this and we're counting on you to do this. And if yes. you're not sure how, get in touch with me, get in touch with Janae and take take a stand, take your part in this. You're needed. You are definitely needed. So thank you all for being my guest today. I couldn't do the show without you. Janae, thank you so much for saying yes to me. And keep doing, I know you've had a lot of public speaking these past uh, year or so since I saw you last, and that's good. I'm glad you're getting your message out there. And I have, I don't know, I have some anywhere between 6,000 listeners at a time. Wow. Sometimes 100,000 listeners at a time. I've had that. So I hope everybody's listening up to this. Yeah, they can read about me in the new issue of the Mindful Magazine, the fall 2020 issue. I was... um, voted by my peers as one of the powerful women in the mindfulness movement. And so the fall 2020 issue of Mindful Magazine. Okay, awesome. Good, I'm glad you're getting publicity too. All right, so I will be back with you next time with Sex and Happiness. I don't know exactly who my guest will be, but tune in for another amazing guest that will add to your sex and your happiness. Um, This is what it's about. This is really what it's about. This is Laurie Handler's saying namaste and signing off to you and i'll be back stay tuned thank you for joining us today for sex and happiness to learn more about Lori and her work please go to butterflyworkshops.com or follow her on twitter or facebook you can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com we'll see you again right here next week for another edition of sex and happiness oh.